Okay. We'll have more fellowship later. So, praise God. That's what happens when you get this going. You know? <laughs> well, we're just so blessed to have Devin Barrett and his family with us and his wife and two kids. Brianna is her name, your wife's name. And, and uh, Jill is the one that kind of connected us originally. We had coffee together a few months ago. And uh, there's just something in Devin's heart that connected with mine. And like I said, we had him share with our youth group. And now we're having him here. And Eternally King Ministries, uh, focused toward the college age uh, that that age group of students, God has really put that on Devin and Brianna's heart. And uh, so, Devin, I'll have you share more about that and yourself and bring us some word. And let's just give them a 10 strike welcome here, okay? God bless you. God bless you. Hello? One, two, there it is. Well, how's everybody doing? Good. Um, I, it's actually crazy to be here on the stage right now just speaking with all of you. Um, there's so many brothers and sisters and family members in this church that we've had and known throughout the years, and I just know that God has done so much here at Ten Strike Church. Um, it's just amazing. I mean, the fruit of the people that have come through here and what you guys do in not just this community, but in Bemidji as well and the other churches um, it shows. So it is just an honor and a privilege just to be up here to be able to talk to you guys today. So, and I, I know you guys have an amazing pastor. Uh, Steve and I did get to chat with coffee and we've had a number of conversations after that and um, amazing godly conversations. So you guys are truly blessed here. Um, but yeah, I'll, I'll just start with a little bit about myself. My name is Devin Barrett. I grew up here in Bemidji. Oh, can I, how far can I walk around? Is this okay? All right, if I come down here. I grew up in Bemidji, Minnesota, which we are in Bemidji, I guess. I don't have to say Minnesota. Uh, I went to BHS, and then I went to Bemidji State. So I've been around um, here forever. So uh, married, I have two kids, a little girl named Lux and a little two-month-old boy named uh, Lennon. And you'll see my wife running around with them. Um, I think they're at a table out back with shirts right now. So, but yeah, so I graduated college. Um, actually, let me just, I'll go a little bit into my testimony so you guys know a little bit about me. But while I was in school, it was really my freshman year, senior year of high school, freshman year, where the Lord just began to, let's just say, try to make our relationship real. And that was where I started to like really venture out into the world. And I was testing God. I wanted to know if God was who he said he is. I mean, everybody's had that, I feel like a point in time where it's like, you need to make your relationship with God your own. And I grew up in a Christian family, so I knew everything about Jesus. And I just didn't know anything about the Holy Spirit. I never had a relationship with God, truly. Like, I, I mean, in a, in a sense where you prayed, but I never had that real connection. Um, so I, I began a journey in my senior year of high school searching after God that went um, into that summer. And that summer, I encountered God in a powerful way. And you were just talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I had no idea what that was, to be totally honest. But the encounter that I received was exactly that. And the Lord laid me out on the floor for four hours at this Christian camp up in Alaska. And I just sat there and wept under the goodness of God. And I remember just sitting there trembling and speaking in tongues, which you guys are familiar with that, I'm sure, right? I believe this is a spirit-filled church. And I didn't know what that was. I didn't grow up in a church like that. So I'm, to be honest, pretty scared. But um, it was amazing at the same time. I knew it was peace on it and Oh, I just remember getting off that floor, not being able to walk around straight, like feeling pretty drunk or intoxicated, 
and wondering what I just went through. And then after that, the Lord just began to, like the word of God made sense. And God began to speak to me. And I've been, I was able to actually go under this relationship with him like I'd never had before. And to be honest, that was the pinnacle point in my life where I believe I was born again. And then the Lord began to prune me and do things. So I came back to school here at Bemidji State, freshman year, no discipleship, no truth, living in the world, going about my things. And the Lord just began to convict me. And I mean, how many people, I'll be honest, there's probably people in here who have maybe been unsaved and then saved, maybe knew they were doing something wrong. And then after you've received Jesus, when you do that thing again, it feels worse. You know what I'm talking about? I used to know the things that I was doing were wrong from a biblical standpoint. Like God said, don't do those, okay? But then after I was baptized in the Spirit and I had God living in me and I'm sitting there and doing those things, all of a sudden it felt like my heart was being ripped in two. It felt like I I literally was going to die. Like I didn't know what was going on, but I believed I was a slave to these things still. I believed that I still wasn't able to live without those things in my life. I didn't have truth. I didn't have the word understanding here. There, God was in me, but he was still trying to get something from here to here to set me free. And I'm sitting there just like, what is going on, man? Like, in, in a mess, okay? And it took about a year in that place before the Lord just began to open up truth to me. And I began to see what the word truly began to say. And how Jesus actually died to set you free from sin. That Jesus died to save us from sin. And all of a sudden, the word of God wasn't just something that was for one day. It was for today. The good news of Jesus wasn't, well, I'm going to die one day and go to heaven. It was for today. That I can now live free through Jesus Christ. And I could start to follow those convictions and actually walk like God wanted me to walk. That led me into a, I thought the baptism of the Holy Spirit messed me up. I I always say that, like, the baptism of the Holy Spirit wrecked me. I would never be the same again. But once I got truth, I was undone. Once I understood the truth of the gospel, I was undone. There was no going back. That led me into a life of ministry. Um, I ended up going into YWAM for a six-month DTS and... Uh, was Australia, Byron Bay. And after that, YWAM, an amazing experience. I, came, I was sitting there wondering, what does God want me to do next? And at the end of that school, the Lord convicted me and just pretty much told me, he said, Devin, I want you to go back to Bemidji, and I want you to plug yourself into the college campuses. So, all right, there we go. We got, we got back. A buddy of mine had gone to this YWAM with me, and we got back, and we just jumped to the college campus. We're like, all right, we're going to start a worship night, man. Let's just start a night of meeting. Let's start to host the presence of God. Let's start to train people in their identity and take them out to the streets to go tell people about Jesus. And like, so we just went after it. And guess what? God showed up. God started showing up our meetings. We saw the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We saw, we saw people starting getting healed. We saw people prophesying. I mean, we were taking people out and equipping them in evangelism and hearing testimonies of them going to campus or going to Walmart and seeing a person get healed or seeing someone give their life to Jesus. This was the stuff that God started to do at the beginning of our ministry, which is in 2016. And from then on, God just began building and began just pruning people and discipling people and saving people and seeing people healed. It's just been a ride, man. It's been amazing. And there's been enough time doing this ministry and enough words from the Lord to know that I know that I know that God has called us to the college campuses of America. And I say that, are you guys familiar with Reinhard Bunke? Um, We went to, it would have been probably a little over two years ago, uh, while we were doing ministry, there was a time where I, I, we were seeing the baptism of the Holy Spirit, we're seeing salvations, and I was like, I'm, something's not right. Like, I feel like we need to just leave for a while. And so just seeking the Lord on that, and sure enough, there ended up being an opening for a school down at Christ for All Nations in Orlando, which is the ministry of uh, Reinhardt Bunke, which is now Daniel Kalenda. And we went down to the school and joined a six-month uh, was it, evangelism boot camp. 
And so for six months, we just got poured into day after day by just these amazing evangelists from all around the world doing mass crusades. And they would come and teach us the ins and outs of mass crusades and evangelism. And so I, we were, I'm ready to go to Africa at the end of the school, okay, because they're prepping us to go to Africa and preach the gospel. And uh, I'm sitting there on the very last day of school. And you know how it is. Just I feel like you, got, you think you're going one way, and then the Lord just comes in at the last moment. He's like, just kidding. We're going to go this way. I'm sitting there last day of school, and I'm sitting there in the spiritual development hour, which is the first hour of every day. We just spent time in the presence of the Lord. And in that moment, I hear, or I sorry, I see a vision. And I saw a vision of the map of the United States. And on this map, it was not cities, but college campuses. And as I'm watching this old map, these college campuses begin to burst out in flames on this map until it looks like all of these campuses all over the nation are lit. And then you hear a wind and the wind blows from the west to the east and entirely covers that map with flames. And in that exact moment, I hear what the Lord is wanting to do. And he said, Devin, I want to bring revival through our college campuses again. And the next two minutes, the speaker stands up and says, somebody here is called to go to college campuses of America. I need you to stand up. And I just see this picture, and I'm not quite sure what I'm seeing because I thought I was going to Africa. So I stood up, and he began just to prophesy. And everything he was saying was just cut me. It was right on. Did you know right now that 20% of Gen Zers are identifying as LGBTQ? If you go to the colleges of America, okay, not just state universities, but every college in America, 18% of people have an actual biblical worldview, meaning that they believe that there is God and that God was a creator. And if you go to a state university, it's less than 8%. When you preach the gospel to somebody, or try to explain Jesus to somebody who doesn't have a worldview that you do, it's completely different. It's not the same. It's landing on deaf ears. They, they don't understand. It's not even landing anywhere close to home. That means almost 96% of the people when we're on campus telling them about Jesus don't even have the same perspective as we do have an entirely different lens. In that lens, you can imagine the things that you're going to find in the world, the anxieties, the fear, the sin, the darkness, the idolatry, the immorality. So what do we do? What do we do in a scenario like that when you're literally walking into a place that is completely not Christian? It's unreached. They've heard of Jesus as a cuss word. What do you do? And honestly, my answer to that, my conviction, is that you use the power of God. You need the power of God in a place like that. And I believe, personally, no matter where you go, if you are doing ministry for the Lord, why wouldn't you use the biggest tools you got? If I'm building a house, so I, my nine, or sorry, my nine to five job, what I do, I'm a drywaller, okay? I paint and do drywall work and mud and tape. And I'll tell you what, when I show up to a job, I don't use the littlest tool I have to complete a big job, okay? When I show up to a job, I'm going to pull out the biggest tools I have. I'm going to use the tools that are going to make it go the easiest and the fastest. Just like you wouldn't build a house with a hammer and nails and hand saws. Right? When you build a house, you're going to pull out, you're going to have like chop saws, circle saws. I mean, you're going to be using um, air nailers. You're going to use the biggest tools you got to put that thing together. And I look at the campus and I'm walking out there and we're saying, okay, people are going to hear the words that we say, but what backs them up? The signs, the wonders, and the miracles. The power of our testimony and the way that they see us. 
You know, we can't look like the rest of the world when we're on the campus and we're preaching the gospel. If they see us doing what they do, we've already lost. We actually have to live above reproach. We actually have to live in a holy way. We have to image Jesus in the ways that we live. And by imaging Jesus, that's why we train all of our college students how to, one, prophesy. Okay? So when people come in, they will hear of the goodness of God and come into repentance, right? We teach the gifts and we encourage the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We, many times we'll have times where we're healing people in our meetings, and then we'll go out and do evangelism, and that's one of the things we try to practice. If they need prayer for healing, lay hands on them and believe that they can be healed. Because without it, the message is going to die, dude. It's totally not going to work, or it's going to take way longer. And to be honest, we don't have time. I don't believe we have time. A little bit of what we're doing here. What time is it? Oh my goodness. You said quarter after? Quarter after 12? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I love that, man. I, I asked Steve earlier, I was like, I was like Steve, I was like, uh, like, what's the idea for the end of this? And he goes, oh, he's like, we go till a quarter after. I'm just like, all right, like, you sound like my parents. I'm like, quarter after 11, 12, 2? Like, what's a quarter after, man? Like, <laughs> I love it. Something in that generation. I love it, though. It's funny. There's a flex there? Okay, yeah. So whatever hour you want. No, just kidding. <laughs> oh, so good. So good. Well, I know we want to talk about the ministry in the college campus a bit, but I also have a message for you guys today. Um, I just do want to say, the campuses need Jesus. If you change the college campus, you change the world. The people coming out of college campuses right now are going to be your future politicians, your future police, your future teachers, nurses, doctors, lawyers. Why does the campuses in America need Jesus? Because there are people who are literally going to be leading our nation in the future. So if you have not prayed or thought about the ministry of college campuses, I would really encourage you guys just to please be praying for us. Be praying for what God is doing here at Bemidji State. We have a group of 12 students right now, or 12 individuals, not all our students, who are really seeking a God to move on the campus this year. They are dedicated people who have been meeting constantly to see God move on the campus. And they need your prayers. We need your prayers to see God move. And without the Spirit of God at the Midji State, we're never going to see a revival. And we want to, man. We want to see God move on that campus. I would love to see hundreds of students saved this next year. Um, I believe our number, I don't have my phone on me, uh, we saw roughly 86 salvations last year at BSU. Isn't that amazing? I believe it might be a little bit more than that, but recorded 86 salvations. Praise God, right? That's amazing. I believe we can double that this year, no problem. Or can he even triple that? God goes above and beyond, right? So good, so good. We have a table in the foyer. Um, you guys want more information on our ministry and want to just hear a little bit more about it, we'll fill you in. There's a couple of people here who help out with the ministry. Um, they'll tell you all about it. And uh, we're selling shirts as a fundraiser too. So if you guys want a t-shirt with our crown on it, please stop back there. And I think we also have hats, so... That would be amazing. Those are the funds that we use uh, to continue doing the ministry on college campuses. So please stop back there and just check that out. Oh, man. I, don't, I can't do it in 15 minutes, guys, but we can maybe do it in 20. Sound good? We're going to read this. You know what? Before we read this, can we just pray? Father, I just thank you for today, Lord. God, we just thank you for your spirit being here this morning. God, we just thank you for your presence filling this room. Lord, I thank you for hearts just being open and ears being open, Lord. Just to receive your word, God, this morning, to receive your truth. In Jesus' name, amen. Take the time you need. Okay. 
Thank you guys so much. All right, so I want you guys just to open up to uh, Revelation 3. I'm going to go th- Revelation 3.14, and we're just going to read this chapter through the rest of the way. So we're going to go 14 through 22. To the angel of the church of Laodicea, these are the words of the amen, the faithful and true witnesses, the ruler of God's creation. I know your deeds, that you are neither hot nor cold. I wish you were either one or either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I am about to spit you out of my mouth. You say I am rich, that I have acquired wealth and do not need a thing. But you do not realize that you are wicked, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so that you can become rich and white clothes to wear so that you can cover your shameful nakedness and slave to put on your eyes so that you can see. Those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. So be earnest and repent. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. To the one who is victorious, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne, just as I was victorious and sat down by my father on his throne. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Hallelujah! Jamon Jill, are you happy? I preached in Africa for a while. This is definitely an American church, right? <laughs> oh, I just love it. Jill is like, yeah. <laughs> so good. Sorry, I'm just waking you guys up. You know, um, do not goldfish have an attention span of 15 seconds? And I think right now people have an attention span of about like four. So just trying to keep you guys focused here, all right? No, it's so good. You guys are great. You guys are totally focused. All right, so what did we just read? I'm not much of a teacher. I'm a preacher. But there's just something that I've been seeing lately in in this book, especially Revelation. Jesus is addressing, I believe, seven churches. And every church that he addresses, he, he ends it with a form of to the one who is victorious, there's, there's a correction. There's something wrong within the church. There's some sort of sin. There's some sort of people who do not see their need for God. There's something happening there. They're either not totally sold out. Um, and, and he says at the very end, he corrects them, but he says, but to the one who is victorious, you will have eternal life. Or the one who does my will, I will give authority over the nations. And to the one who is victorious like them, dressed in white, um, to the one I will never blot out his name from the book of life. To one I will give the victor's crown. And I, and I read this thing and I'm like, well, what is Jesus saying? Why, why is he always addressing them at the end? These are your problems. And then he comes to the end and he goes, but if you're victorious, you will receive eternal life. You'll receive your rewards. You'll be dressed in white. You'll sit on my throne. You'll rule over nations. You'll wear your crown. But if you are not, I will spit you out of my mouth. If you are not, I will will blot your name out of the book. If you are not, I will take your lampstand from you. I will come like a thief in a night. And I read this, and I'm like, whoa, like, warning, warning. Jesus is life, and he's death, right? What do we need to be victorious over in this life? What is the thing that we, what he's really concerning here? And I believe that's sin. The beginning of the book of Matthew, it says that Jesus, his name will be Jesus, and Jesus is born. Or sorry, Jesus, I should just read it. His name is Jesus, and Jesus, we're just going to quick read up there, beginning of Matthew. It's better be Matthew. I'm going to feel bad if it's not. All right, yep. Matthew 1.21. She will give birth to a son, 
And you are to give him a name, Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Jesus didn't come to save us in our sins. He came to save us from our sins. There's a story I shared with the youth. I'm going to share it again. All right, if you are in a burning building, on fire, raging, and the fire department shows up, breaks down the door, runs in, picks you up, carries you right to the front door, and then you go, whoa, 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 stop right there. And he goes, okay, sets you down. And then he stands outside, and he's like, like, come on out. And you're in the burning building, and you go, no, I'm good. You saved me, man. You saved me. He's going to look at you like you're crazy. You're still standing in a burning building. Sure, you're right at the door. You could step out any time, but you're right on the edge, and you're saying, you saved me. No. You're still not saved until you're out of it. Jesus came to save us from our sins, not in them. And you guys have probably heard an argument, um, um, a Christian sinner or, or, or a uh, heathen Christian there's, or a carnal Christian, these arguments. I don't believe there's such a thing. I don't believe we can be a carnal Christian. I don't believe we can be a sinful Christian or a, or a Christian that just looks like the rest of the world and goes to church on Sundays. I believe the point of the Holy Spirit is to make us holy. I believe the point of grace is actually to teach us to say no to ungodliness and to worldly passions and to live a self-controlled, upright, godly life in this present age. I believe Jesus died for more than just to get you into heaven one day. He wants us to be victorious. Jesus is asking us to be victorious. Now, I know that I'm speaking to a church that's spirit-filled, a church that's powerful and, and it has amazing fruit. But if I was to be honest and think of my last nine years as a Christian, if I, there is times that this message I know would cut me, it would make me look at my life and say, you know what? There might be this one little area in my life that I'm not so sure about right now. And today, I don't know if I'm speaking to anybody but there may be somebody in here, and to be honest, there probably is, that maybe is at a place right now where they're wondering, am I right with the Lord? And tonight, or sorry, this morning, we are going to have a time just to come forward and get right with the Lord. But I have a couple other things I just want to talk to you guys about. <laughs> Can I just be honest with you guys? Like a frank, is that the right word? I have, a, I have something I've been dwelling on lately. Okay, you guys ever get that with the Lord and you're like, man, there's just this one little thing I just can't stop thinking about. Why don't we believe, like, why don't we believe the word when it says something, like, super specific? Like, why don't we just take it as what it's saying? Am I right? Like, you guys are for healing, right? You know, it says when Jesus went throughout all of Galilee and it said he healed all the sick. And then you're talking to someone and they go, no, he probably didn't heal everybody. There was probably a couple people he missed. And I'm just sitting there looking at this. I'm like, it says he healed all. Like, all is 100%. It's an absolute. Like, if you go through your Bible, there are absolutes everywhere. Like, you know, Christian, or Christians in science, we understand science can pr begin to prove God and it can show God, right? But science is never 100% true. God is. Okay? God is 100% right all the time. Not science. Science doesn't know. They might have a 99%. They're like, this is as close as we can get it. We're not entirely sure. But then Jesus says things like, like he heals all the sick, right? All. Or um, how about this one? Those who are born of God will not continue on in sin. In fact, they cannot it blows my mind. I read that, and I'm looking at it, and I'm like, my experience is going to say something different. So I'm going to try to explain that away. But if I just took the word for what it is, which isn't legalism, just want to tell you that. Taking the word for what it is is not legalistic. It's just, it's the truth. And I don't want to use my experiences in my life to redefine what God's word is saying. That's how we get 
messed up in our theologies. And that's why we start allowing gay marriage into the church and we start to say hell doesn't exist, right? Take the word for what it is in context, absolutely. Victorious is the Greek word, actually the Greek word Nike. And if you guys are familiar with Nike's motto, it says what, just do it, right? Everyone's like Nike, and you're like, oh, just do it. And I want, I want to just point something out. I don't know if Nike was wicked when they did this or they knew what they were doing, but it is a way of the world. It's a way that seems right to a man. And I want to just say it leads to death. To be victorious in the world's mindset, you have to just do it. Right now, you might just be thinking, you're like, okay, in my life, there's this one thing or there's some areas over here, and I want to conquer that. So I just need to put in the work, man. I'm just going to try really hard to not sin again. And if you've lived it out for a while, guess what? You know for a fact that no matter how hard you try not to, you still end up doing it, right? Okay, don't eat those chips, man. Don't eat them. Just leave them on the shelf. Don't eat them. Okay, just one chip, but no more. can't just have one, right? You got to have more. You got, it, it's not always possible to just do it, okay? Maybe for a short amount of time, you can discipline yourself into just staying away from whatever it is or, or, to, or to live in a right place with God. But you can't stay there. Your flesh will have problems. Your flesh will be weak. And that's where the Lord has given me a revelation, all right? Um, an apocalyptic moment helped me. Jesus already did it. And if I want to do it, if I want to be victorious, I have to be it. So the motto of Nike to be victorious, so the world standpoint, I like to tell you, is to just do it, right? But I believe to be victorious, you need to just be it. See, when Jesus hung on the cross, he said something profound. And the very last words he said were, it is finished. And what he means when he's saying it's finished, I know it quotes a psalm, okay? But if you start to look through it, the very thing Jesus came to do has now been accomplished. And he came to save us from our sins. It says that sin is now condemned, powerless, Sin has no more power over us. Darkness has no more power. But we like to make it from a serpent in the book of Genesis that ends up being a dragon in the book of Revelation. The church has puffed up sin. Oh, dude, the devil. Oh, oh no, sin. Oh, like stay away. It's not powerful. It's dead. But if you try to defeat sin in your flesh, you will think it has a lot of power. But if you be a child of God... And know that you are a son and daughter. And you stay rooted in faith. Then that sin has nothing over you. I would even say sometimes that it doesn't even have temptation. That sometimes that sin doesn't even, it doesn't even matter. Satan can lose his hold on you completely, I believe. I personally feel today that the biggest job of the church is to become holy. Paul said, I wish, I am jealous to present you as a pure and spotless virgin or a bride under Christ. We read through the word again and again and I see things like that he is able to keep you blameless until the end. That it's my will that you be sanctified, holy, avoiding sexual morality and lust and greed. That the blood of Jesus cleanses you of all sin. And it cleanses your mind from the acts that lead to death. 
through that, through the Holy Spirit, you can now put to death the misdeeds of the body and live for God. I, I read these things. There's verses all over this book. And it just keeps saying the same thing, that I wanted a holy people. I wanted a people that were set apart. If you love me, you will obey what I have commanded. Why would you ask me that, Jesus, if I can't do it? But he made a way. He finished it. And he gave you something called grace. And I believe grace today has been devalued, if we can even do that. And there's something called demonic grace or a grace that we think it's a license to sin. And we're maybe not using it as a license to sin, but the devil's tricky enough to put it in our mind. We're like, well, thank God for his grace that the last couple days I have not been so good. So I thank Jesus for his grace. That's mercy, man. God forgives you with his mercy, but he empowers you with his grace. You have notes out. You can write down Titus 2.11. The Lord has stamped that one on me. Um, it's, Titus 2.11 says, For the grace of God has appeared. It, being grace, teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, godly lives in this present age while we await for our glorious hope, Christ Jesus. Grace has appeared to make us godly. We're not thanking Jesus every time you mess up and going, thank you for your grace, Lord. It's sort of like that, but not quite. Something else I just wanted to bring up. How many people have heard a saying that the blood of Jesus covers you, right? Has anybody heard that before? They go, oh, the blood of Jesus covers your sins. You know, it's not in the Bible. <laughs> I looked a lot. I've researched it. The blood of Jesus does not cover your sins. It's like someone preached it one day and it's just got passed down again and again. The blood of Jesus covers your sins. And I think of covering, and I don't know about you, but when someone comes and sits in here and they hear that word, even if whoever says it knows what the blood actually does. I think of a kid being told to clean up their room, right? And mom's like, go clean your room. And the kid's like, all right. And he goes like shoves all the dust under his rug and like shoves his clothes under there and he's just got this heap under his rug. And mom walks into the room and sees like, well, I told you to clean it. He's like, well, it's clean. I covered it up. It's not clean. Mom's going to be like, no, take it all out. Put it away. Put the dust in the garbage, right? The blood of Jesus cleansed us from sin. Did not cover our sins. You won't find it in your Bible. But it's something that's been taught. Because I think somehow it makes sense in here. The way that seems right to a man, right? And it leads to death. But somehow we think, you know, the blood of Jesus is covering over my sins. That when one day Jesus looks down, he's going to see his son Jesus. But I have a wake-up call. Something I just believe and I believe the word of God points out. But it says when God, one day when God looks down, he's not going to see his son, Jesus, right there. He's going to see his son or daughter, you. We're supposed to be in the image of Jesus and be like him. But God doesn't just see Jesus covering over us. On judgment day, when he looks down, he's going to see Steve. He's going to see Danae. He's going to see Jill. And he's going to measure them according to Christ. To the one who is victorious, I will give the right to sit by me. This is kind of a heavy message, guys. And I wasn't like planning for it to be really heavy. Just wanted to say that. Um, at all, and I, I don't have any assumptions here with this church or this body, because to be honest, I don't know, I think a lot of you are probably like, I'm walking a very holy lifestyle right now, Devin, and I'm like, great, that's super good, <laughs> and I'm really happy for you guys, because I know your church does do that, it's something you guys stress, but I know there's people here today, 
And it's not a shameful thing to be like, hey, I'm backslidden. Maybe I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know if I love the Lord like I used to. I don't know if I'm living in the place right now that I, I used to. And I, the Lord is inviting you right now. He's knocking on your door. And he's saying, I'm giving you a chance to come back. I want to be close to you again. He's not upset that we've fallen away or slipped back some. He's not upset if you've never known him and haven't even made that decision yet. He's inviting you to. He's knocking on the door of your hearts because he knows what's best for you. And as, and as a new father, I look at my little kids, okay? And this is a revelation I'm sure parents have had, a beautiful one. But you want what's best for your children, right? And if your little kid picks up a knife and starts running around, you're going to whop them and say, give that back. You're not supposed to have that, right? You're going to go, well, come here. Like, child, don't do that. They just run across the street in the middle of a highway. I'm sure you're going to teach them to not do that again one day. Because you don't want anything bad to happen to them. You want what's best for them. And I believe God is a good father. And he does want what's best for us as well. And if we're running around with a knife right now, we're running through traffic, we're playing with matches, doing something we're not supposed to, I know for a fact he's convicting us and saying, stop it. This is going to lead to your death one day, and I don't want you to die. I'm going to tell a story. How many of you guys like stories? Good. It's a little bit kind of about being hot and cold. And I want you guys to think today, too, just of one thing. Just We're going to close up here in five more minutes. Um, if not sin... Jesus commanded us something at the very end of Matthew, and it's called the Great Commission. I'm an evangelist, so it's something I hold on to, right? I'm like, this is my commissioning, to go into all the world, right, and to make disciples of nations, to preach the gospel of the kingdom of God to everybody, right? And Jesus said, if you love me, you'll obey what I commanded Crazy. I also know you like start to pair these together. If you love Jesus, you're going to tell people about Jesus, right? So this is my hope today. My hope today that no matter where we're at, that we would come back to a place where we just fall in love with Jesus again. And that there would not just fuel you to live in a holy manner, to make sure that you're living right with the Lord, but it also would wake us up to say, hey, I know this person who doesn't know about Jesus or this person who needs prayer. And you would be compelled to go and share with them the truth of Jesus. To go and tell them about the kingdom of God and what it can do. To lay hands on that person and pray for them to be healed. That's my hope today, guys. That today we would see that we are all called to be the hands and feet of the Lord. It's not just the evangelist. Every person has been commanded by Jesus to go and spread the good news. And guess what? Just because you're not a pastor or you're not a missionary doesn't mean that you're out of that one. Okay? You have been placed by the Lord wherever you are at to do that. So if you are a bus driver, you got a, a, a bunch of kids behind you who need some love, right? If you are a, a, a mechanic, you got a shop of guys who can use a light. If you're a doctor, you've got dying people on a table in front of you sometimes that need Jesus. You've been placed right where you have been for a reason, to be a light. And that is the most beautiful part of all. And I don't know, oh sorry, I don't believe that Jesus sees any spot as less. In fact, I'm going to share two stories. You guys okay? You guys like stories? All right. <laughs> One day, there's a man that dies, and he goes to heaven. And when he gets to heaven, the Lord says, did you do what I asked you to do? And he looks at that man, or the man looks up at, at God and says, yes, I, I went and I built 100 megachurches. We've got literally 50,000 people in our churches, and, and God is, it, you're doing so many amazing things. And God looks down at this man, and he goes, okay, but I never asked you to build 50 megachurches. I asked you to be a businessman. And if you would have been a businessman, Right now, the money that you would have given to missions would have fueled the missions to the entire world. And you would have seen billions of souls saved. 
The next man walks into the room, and this man is asked, did you do what I asked you to do? And he looks up at God and says, Lord, I went as an evangelist. And I was an evangelist to millions of people, and we saw hundreds of thousands of people give their life to the Lord. And he goes, that's good. But I asked you to be a pastor. And if you would have been a pastor, you would have done such a well job of equipping people that you would have sent evangelists out to many other countries. And those churches would have been planted there as well. And you would have seen tens of millions of people give their life to the Lord. In walks in the last person. There's a young lady, or an old lady, sorry. And the Lord asks her, did you do what I asked you to do? And the lady looks up to the Lord and says, I prayed for my children every single day. I brought them to church. I loved them. I, I served them. I taught them in your ways. Everything I could do was for those children. And the Lord looked down and says, and very well. And because you did that, your children went on to do the things that I asked them to do and has touched tens of thousands of people. God's not asking you to do the big thing. He's just asking you to do the thing that he called you to do. And if we're faithful in that, God is going to use you to do extraordinary things. Isn't that amazing? All right, like that story? I got one more for you, and then we're going to close, okay? 15 after. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. And actually, when we're done, someone want to come up here and play something? I don't know if we want just a time of ministry. Do you guys have some music for that or anything? I think it would be cool just to open it up just for a time, just to get right before the Lord, and um, we'll just go ahead and do that. So, but Yeah, so, okay, the story starts off. There's a big fence, okay? And on this fence, you've got a whole group of people, all right? On one side of this fence, you've got Jesus, and on the other side of this fence, you've got Satan. All these people are sitting on this fence, you know, and they're looking around. They're looking at Satan and hell, and they're looking at Jesus in heaven. And they're chatting. And they're like, which side do we jump off to? And they're like, I don't know. And you've got Jesus on one side, and he screams out. And he says, come over here. Come over here. I've got life. I've got all things good for you. The only thing it costs you is giving up everything, but I can give you everything you want. It's right here. My life, my good things, my kingdom. People are like, hey, that actually sounds pretty good. I'm going to go over there. So people jump off, and they run to Jesus' side. And then you got Satan on this side saying, I can give you cars. I can give you money. I can give you all these amazing things. People will love you. They'll praise your name. A lot of people go, hey, that sounds pretty good. I'm going to go over there. And they jump off and run on that side. A bunch of people are sitting on the sense. One by one, Jesus pleads with them. Don't listen to him. He's a liar. All those things, they'll never give you happiness. They'll never give you anything good. Come to my side. And you got Satan saying, no, it's good. It's dandy over here. Come to my side. We'll party. We'll drink. You guys will have anything you want. Girls, men, drugs. Just live in pleasure. This battle goes back and forth, back and forth. People jumping off one side. Some people literally run and jump over the fence and go to the other side. This whole thing is going on. And then one man just had not made a decision. He's sitting on this fence. He doesn't know which one he wants. He's like, well, I don't know. I don't know. And then finally, one day, Jesus takes all of his people and they leave. And he sees Satan take all of his people, and they leave too. And as he's sitting on that fence, he's looking around. He's like, where did everyone go? Well, what's, what do I do now? And Satan begins walking up the fence to this man. And he's looking down at Satan, and Satan looks up at him, and he goes, oh, there you are. You're coming with me. And the man's like, whoa, 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 Satan, I didn't pick your side. You can't make me go with you. And Satan said, I own the fence. You are either hot or cold, but the lukewarm I will spit out of my mouth. Today, guys, our church needs holiness, but it also needs boldness to pick a side, to not sit in the middle. And so today, guys, 
I urge you, if you are on the fence or if you just need to come back to the Lord at any point in time today, to make that decision with him. You could leave this place and get hit by a car on your way home. That would be it for you. Tomorrow could be tomorrow morning driving to work. I pray that doesn't happen, but you never know when your last breath is going to be. We need to get right with Jesus. We need to stay in that place. And guys, my hope today right now, if that's you, that you would just make that decision this morning to say, Jesus, I'm sorry. Forgive me. I want to back in. I want to be on your side. I haven't been living bold, Jesus. I want to be on your side. Give me some power, man, to share your gospel at work. Help me, Jesus. Help me, Jesus. So right now, we're going to go ahead and close and pray. But right now, if that's you right now, I want you just to put your hand on your heart. If you're making a decision in here tonight just to say, Jesus, I need you in my life right now, 100%, all of you, I want you just to put your hand on your heart, and we're going to pray, and I believe the Lord is going to forgive you because he said he will. He promises it. If you ask, you will receive. But also, too, if you need boldness, if you need that encouragement to share your gospel at work or to tell people about Jesus, or maybe it is just going to Walmart and hitting the street to go tell people about him, just to put your hand on your heart. Maybe it's the first time ever in here you've said, I've never maybe given everything to Jesus before. I've never fully surrendered to him. Well, today is your day. Don't wait any longer. I'm, I'm asking you not to wait any longer, and he's knocking right now on the door of your heart. Don't wait. He wants to be one with you. He wants you to give up all of that darkness. So right now, just put your hand on your heart. That's you. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Father, I thank you right now, God, for every person in this room. God, I just ask right now, Lord, that you would make us a holy generation. God, that you would make us your children, your sons and daughters. Lord, I ask you right now, too, God, that you would just bless right now every person in here with boldness, with power, God, to share your word. Holy Spirit, come. Fill this place. Come. Seal it on us, Jesus. Seal it into our inner being, God. To be laid down lovers, God. To live for you with everything. Let us be hot for you. Let us burn for you, Jesus. Thank you, God. In your name, amen. Thank you, guys. Thank you for staying half past. Bless you all. It's been an honor. It really has been a treat. So. We'll be sticking around and eating, so I'd love to catch you guys' names and chat with any of you. So, thank you. Thanks. Thanks so much. Hallelujah. So those decisions, choices, many made here today, and receiving of that grace that empowerment. Amen? Yes. We receive it. We receive it. We receive it. I also want to mention if you would anyone here
would like to give a specific offering to eternal, eternally King Ministries. Um, the, there's envelopes on that. We have the two boxes on the back. That's where we give our regular tithes, but also offerings. And there's envelopes there that you can designate. Uh, I would just put Devon, just put Devon on there. Or if you remember, eternally King, eternally King. But uh, make the check out to Ten Strike Community Church, and then we'll put those together for them. And uh, so that's that's available there, that opportunity for us today. And uh, if anyone would like additional prayer, we'll be here to pray for you after the service here, now. And uh, you can meet... Devin's wife, Brianna, at the shirt table and cap table. And you can buy a cap or a shirt there. That helps too. So, hallelujah. <clears throat> Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for your anointing upon this man. Upon Devin, also his wife. Brianna, we thank you that you lead them and guide them every step of the way. You will teach them in the way that they are to go, things they are to do specifically, the things they are to say specifically. And even this summer, but then preparing for the fall too with the ministry and the university here and whatever universities, Lord, and whatever you would have for them, Lord. We thank you for that anointing multiplied upon them. Multiplication. We thank you that you are refining them as gold. We see that gold just... We thank you. We see it, Lord. We see it. But that shines for Jesus. Shines for Jesus. And we agree. Last year was 86, was it? Double, triple. We just agree with that. And we thank you for that empowerment of your spirit for these days ahead. Thank you for it, Lord. Where is Brianna? Is she out there at the table? Or in the nursery? Can someone find her? I believe we're supposed to pray over both of you. We'll just take a moment here. Brianna, if you can hear me, you can come in. <laughs> I know she has a little one, so maybe... It's like, how old is your son? Two months? Two months, yeah. He was born at the time that we met there, uh, or right around that time. Yeah, it was right around uh, the time we came to Spokane. Yeah. Yeah. I believe it was a few days before. Yeah. yeah. I believe it. Hallelujah. Well, we can pray. Well, you know what? We can do that later out there, too. So, we'll do that. Amen. Well, God bless you all. Remember, there's a meal. Oh, I see her coming. Do I see her there? Or don't I? Is that Brianna? <laughs> no, it isn't? Okay. Well, Blessings to you, and we will we'll pray, we'll pray for you later. We'll cover you in prayer. Hallelujah. So we'll stay. Some of us will be up here for prayer for you.